and she's going to give me the answers about showing a one-to-one works. No, that's not what it's about at all. Um, what it is about is showing the change in teaching and learning. Because it shouldn't matter if a kid has a laptop or not as far as what we want for kids. Because if it is about the laptop, then how would I tell our K-6 parents in our district, we care about your kids too? Our, right now, K-6 doesn't have the one-to-one. It's just 7-12. So if we say it's about the computers, we're doing a disservice to the education, and great education, I might add. Historically, it's been the reputation of our district, how, how great the, the elementary's doing. So these are some common things. Um, the one-to-one -one, uh, 
website that uh, Castle helps put together gives some examples of reasons why. And none of these reasons about why to go to a one-to-one -one or why you should bring technology into the classroom, why you should get kids online, none of these say to increase the ITDS scores. It's not what it's about. So um, feel free to check out one-to-one uh, -one wiki spaces. It's a great web um, link for you. Great information there. But I just thought I would highlight one of the, the things that are available for you. So let me talk a little bit before we we start discussing things um, amongst us. Let me talk a little bit about Van Meter, just so you have some idea of the background for the, the conversation facilitating. We look at education as a whole new system. Um, if you've ever heard our superintendent speak, John Carver, our secondary principal, Darren Durflinger, if you, if you follow them on Twitter, their blogs, you get a sense for this anyway. But really what we're talking about is our whole education system Needs to, fit the need, needs to fit the needs of our kids rather than the kids fitting our system. Um, right now, if you don't fit our system, I'm speaking globally, we tend to say, well, you, there's something wrong with you. Uh, you know, maybe you need a special label or something to help you. And I'm not saying that special programs aren't needed. What I am saying is that when it's a label, it's a kid fitting a system. We're trying to force fit it into a system. So we look at that differently. Personalized learning, lots of collaboration and creativity, flexible in its time and its structure. I mean, just imagine Skyping with someone in New Zealand and you not having a flexible schedule at all. How do you make that work? Um, and helping kids be prepared for any post-secondary option. Um, I hope my son has both of them. I keep forgetting I have two. One's three months old. It's still taking a while. Um, I hope both of my sons can choose anything, and that they're prepared for the highest denominator. And if they want to go and join the Army, fine. If they want to go and be a plumber, fine. If they want to go to a four-year college, fine. I want them to be prepared for all of those options. Uh, whatever that highest denominator is, that's what I want my kids to do. And if they can create iPhone apps to pay for their way through college, all the better. Uh, so if they've got other skills that they can utilize, that's wonderful. All right, some researchers. I just want to give you, um, give you some background here about my own thinking. Some books I read before I even came into Van Meter. This is my first year in Van Meter as well. So Daniel Pink, um, The Right Mind. These are the things that he talks about, what kids need. Let me move over here. Maybe it's a little easier to do. So these are some of his words. Tony Wagner, The Global Achievement Gap. Here are some of the things he talks about. Angela Myers, our keynote today, which I had to go in and add some. From her classroom habitudes on the far left to the, the learning skills that kids need. Our traditional curriculum doesn't do a great job of this, um, of these types of things. Sometimes we've said, oh, that's the parent's job. Um, but now they can't be separate things. 
So the first conversation I'd like you to have uh, with people next to you, choose at least three people, try to get at least three people in the group. Talk about these. What are the connections between the types of skills that Daniel Pink, Tony Wagner, Angela Myers, what you know to be true, what are, they, what are the connections between those parts? And in what ways are you starting to think differently about learning and what is learning than you might have before, before you came to this conference today, uh, before you walked into this room, before your district started looking at a one-to-one, -one, or before you started the one-to-one, -one. maybe it was a book you read two years ago. Talk to the people next to you about what ways are, your, are you thinking differently about learning.
So those are some of the examples. What were some other things that you talked about um, with people next to you? Thinking globally rather than locally and collaborating with with folks that we wouldn't normally have considered possibly right, so collaborating. Thinking globally, I don't know if everyone could hear that, and collaboratively, very different. I think I've heard a lot about how this having a one-on-one though makes connections with families that were never there, which builds on that whole community. Great, so we're, we're even connecting, while we're saying it's globally and there's the collaboration part, you're even able to connect better, more efficiently, more often, whatever that better means, with your local community, with your parents. What are some other ways that things are changing? Talk about harnessing rather than squandering or even discouraging the natural creativity of students. Harnessing the natural creativity of students. Excuse me. Harnessing the natural creativity of students. Would you like, I mean, you want to take credit for that? Yeah. Rob, So those are some of the things that we talk about, how it's totally different. Um, and when I say totally different, it's, it's, I mean, I don't want you to think that um, I'm advocating that the idea of content knowledge at all has gone away. I think there's still some of that. But I tell you, as the old social studies teacher, and I say old because the way that I thought just a few years ago, I mean, I've been out of the classroom for five years, but the way that I thought, um, it is old school. I, I, they had to memorize. I told my kids, don't embarrass me if Jay Leno comes to you. <laughs> you know, the Jay walking, it's kind of dating myself a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I, I mean, that's what I thought my role was as a social studies teacher, is, is not to let my kids embarrass me. It was all about me. Uh, yeah. So where do you start when we talk about assessments? First thing I would tell you is determine your goal. Figure out what it looks like. Make connections for teachers um, and your community and empower them. So, while I say that, um, this is again my first year in Van Meter. One to one, coming on, and John is our visionary. You know John Carver at all. You know visionary is a great word to describe him. I totally mean that as a compliment. I do. I've worked for non-visionary people, and that's no fun. Um, great visionary. Then he says, okay, Jen, um, yeah, you should make that happen. You're, you're kind of behind the scenes. <laughs> okay, Jen. Yeah, that's a huge undertaking. Huge undertaking. And so we had to figure out what's the goal. Um, and we'll talk about specifically what we came up with. But that wasn't clear when we got the one-to-one. Um, our school board didn't say... You're only getting computers because we want X to be the result. Because that would have been really easy for me to help assess. You think about your classroom, when you're just assessing, do they know one digit addition facts? Pretty easy to assess. How do you assess problem solving? It becomes a little more complex. So determine what it looks like, make the connections, and empower. So I really appreciate that comment about empowering kids. Um, you have to do the same for your staff. Okay, so Van Meter, our direction. Think, lead, and serve. What's your passion? Our SIAC, we had a SIAC member that came up with that. He's like, instead of coming up with all those verbs that are kind of crazy, like, the school district will empower kids, or the school district will guide kids. He's like, just let them make t-shirts. Think, lead, serve, and on the back, say, what's your passion? He's like, kids would totally get that. 
And, you know, I'm like, that's a, yeah, that's, that's a, great, a great point. So there's kind of our mission. We want to engage students with higher order thinking and tasks. Notice we didn't say that our goal is to increase the technology um, proficiency with Apple applications. That's not our goal at all. This is our K-12 goal. We want to engage kids with higher order thinking and tasks. Like, we want it to be just more than thinking, we also want to see it. A big pot of assessments. How do we know? What will it look like? There is a big pot of assessments that we have to choose from. It is not one thing. Um, this is where the collaboration in our group is really going to be helpful. Because I don't pretend to have that pot be the same as it was a month ago. Certainly not when I started my job. And I know from the, the smarts in this room, we can make that even better. Um, so what kind of assessments? And then PLCs, to empower people, uh, we're going to institute professional learning communities next year. It's just crucial for our teachers, not only that they have the time, but they're empowered to collaborate with their uh, colleagues. And this is where professional learning networks come in. If you've, um, I, our secondary principal presented on it earlier today, uh, but also Angela Myers mentioned it too, that networking thing. We've got, well, I don't know if Stacy's in here, we have a one modern language teacher, Spanish, one, in our, our district. Yeah, go, go collaborate with the other Spanish teachers. Doesn't quite work if we just have it in our building. So that's where professional um, or personal learning networks come in. So here are some of our ideas. Here's, here are the things that we're doing for our balanced assessment, our big pot of assessment. These are pretty traditional. And I call it data collection and tests, because oftentimes that's what we get from them. Um, the University of Maine has probably done the largest research um, as far as length of time and sampling group uh, up to this point. New research is emerging, but pretty evidently, behavior rates, uh, behavior problems are decreasing, um, attendant rate, attendance rates are increasing, graduation rates are improving, and achievement scores, the University of Maine for the state of Maine has found that writing is improving just because there's so much writing kids can do. Um, but they're also now starting to see little increases in the reading, math, and science type achievement scores. So that research is out there. We'll collect this. I don't know how many of you are in districts similar to Van Meter, but behavior data, not really an issue for us. That's not why we went one-to-one. -one. Attendance rates, we're above the state. Last year it was like 98% in our elementary, 97%. Um, graduation rates, 100% graduation rates for us. Not the reason that we did this. Um, achievement scores, our ACT average score was a 24, I think it was in math, 25, 24.6. Um, we're above the state average in ACT scores, ITBS scores, all that stuff. That's not why we did it. That's not why we went one-to-one. -one. We had our, um, our famous eighth grade technology literacy test. Anyone in here familiar? If you have to report on this, you're, you're probably chuckling. Yeah, you're like, because you get to determine what the test is. You get to set proficiency. All you have to do is report the percent proficient. That assessment. Um, our district, lab, I mean, they had a, they had a great assessment place. So it was a rubric. It was on a PowerPoint presentation. It made sense at the time. We're looking at using the NETS rubric. Have any of you had experience? Have you seen that yet? The NETS, I'll show it to you in just a moment. The reason that I, I pick it out um, for just you to think about, uh, 
The Iowa core curriculum and 21st century skills in technology literacy are directly taken from the ISTE nets. So it makes sense to us to use their, their rubric. Um, so that rubric is there. While you're having a conversation, I'll pull that up for you so you can see it. But here's what I'd like you to, to think about or ask the people next to you. What data do you currently collect? What tests do you give? What thinking are you assessing? Um, so talk about that, the things you've got going on. You can look at this from a classroom perspective, or if you're a district administrator, look at it from a district perspe perspective. What are things that you're doing to talk about learning um, in your districts?
and you don't know what it's really after, and where's that at? This is the draft of the ISTE um, rubric. So uh, what I like about it is that it's in the same grade clusters, again, as the Iowa Corps. Remember, those things are, are there. You should go to ISTE's website. A shameless plug has been made for the ISTE conference this summer. It's not shameless. <laughs> no, if you want to check more about, um, more about uh, the ISTE conference, you certainly can learn more. Um, but it is right there. I mean, the Iowa Corps just took from ISTE. It's the same thing, same wording. I mean, they don't even hide it. They say, this is ISTE. So why not look at the rubric? I think you're going to want to tweak it, uh, but there are, some, there are some options there for you. Let's move on. So another thing that we do in our big pot of assessments is look at perceptions and beliefs. I have asterisks, asterisks next to the things I'm Oh, look, I left it back. Some other things that we do, perceptions and beliefs, student perceptions, um, parent perceptions, again, we're working on those. Um, the one in five year post-graduating, how did we do? Did we prepare you for what you're experiencing now at one year and at five? And we're using our alumni network to help get those back. Um, Administrator and teacher reflections on their learning. Well, what do you think's happened this year? And I tell you, um, John Nash, I'm going to pick on you or just highlight you, actually. John's really helped change my thinking about this. Because when I came in to Van Meter, and I knew these questions were out there, how, how do you know that the $100,000 we're spending a year is, is, is worth it? So I'm thinking, oh, i got to show that the computers are changing something. It really helped me change my thinking, and I would hope at your classroom you're starting to think about some changes too, teachers, in the sense that it's not about the tool that you use. Have we ever assessed how well your paper pencil is working in the past? Have we ever assessed how well your overhead is, is working? Any of the other technology, your smart board? No, it's not about the tool. It's about how teaching and learning is changing, and these are valuable. That's what I had to open myself up to is that qualitative data is still data. There is not a difference uh, as far as it's all data. If it's a number or if it's a, a narrative, it's still valuable in showing the picture. So if you're thinking about assessing at your district, it was a big learning aha for me. I hope you have it too. And then I hope you can share ways that you're collecting that. Um, but the perceptions. I think it would be, um, for Van Meter, it would be a, a whole missed opportunity if we didn't ask our parents what they thought. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, some of them are very forthright and will call me and tell me what they think. Uh, we do have some of those. Um, but yeah, just those parents that say, you know, there's something I noticed or there's something I believe. There's all sorts of ways to capture that information and really show over time. If you keep collecting this year after year after year, you have, have some data there. Um, here are two things I'd like you to talk about with the people next to you. In what ways do you ask learners, either if you're a teacher, 
your classroom full of kids, you know, your, your individual students. If you're in the district perspective, your teachers, uh, your other administrators, what ways do you ask learners to reflect on their learning? And how do they feel about their learning experiences? How do you know? Talk with the people next to you about these questions. How do you know what they think about their learning experiences? I know a lot of you you know, our song, and so whatever. I just as far as I'm Personally, I mean, I don't think we do enough of it at my school because I think we know the answer and we don't, we're afraid to hear it. <laughs> you know, seriously, kudos for you for, for mentioning it. As a professional development coordinator, <laughs> yeah, like, I want to, like, have them tell me this. Right, yeah. I work for the department. You right. want, yeah. That's hard to put yourself out there like that. So you're thinking maybe we already know the answer and we're just afraid to ask it. What are some other things that you talked about? Just listen. 
when, when whatever you did is done. Listen to what they say. And if they talk about it outside the class or, you know. I haven't seen this done yet, but you know how on DVDs you've got the extended cut and the director talks about the movie, they watch it again and they talk about it? I think when students do a video project, it'd be really cool to just have an audio recorder and have their group sit around and watch and talk about their talk about how they did that and what they learned, and that's another version of it. Because what you want is um, you want that deeper look into who did what, what they learned, and I haven't seen anybody do that, but that was something we've talked about in our Story Chasers group about a way to help assess projects, because you might get more insight into the learning that happened in the project, listening to the students talk about that, than even in watching it. Okay, thank you. So getting kids, just, I mean, a simple device like this could help capture. Well, I think uh, the online learning environment um, that we put in place in our district has changed how some teachers see repeat sections of, of the same course they teach. And so what they're doing is they're allowing, or actually it enables different sections from different parts of the day to interact on the same assignments. So suddenly, instead of having just your 20 plus or 30 kids share, pair, knee share, you know, all those different techniques, um, by using out-of-class time, they're able to get 150 or however many kids they have interacting with each other, doing projects together, and those type of things. And that's um, really powerful. So using online tour tools help the collaboration occur, occur even after the class bells rung. And so either later that day or... And across sections. And across multiple sections. And then you were saying a way to find, a way to have kids reflect on their learning as, as they're watching the product or looking looking at the product that they've created to reflect on it. Those might be good good examples. Um, how many of you uh, find that you get your teachers? I mean, well, let me step back. So districts. How many districts already are one-to-one -one that are in here? Okay. How many of you are thinking about going to a one-to-one -one next year? You know you're going to go to a one-to-one -one next year. Okay. And then we just have some people here like, I'm just interested in technology integration. Just better ways to use technology I do have. Okay, so we've got all, all sorts of, of realms. Um, for those districts that already have one-to-one, -one, are you finding your kids collaborating after the bell? Can you give me, just off the top of your head, one example? Um, we had a, a parent that was at home. He heard his son upstairs talking in the bedroom. Um, didn't know what was going on, knew his kid didn't have a phone, went upstairs, and as a typical parent of a teenager, he eavesdropped at the door, um, listened to the conversation, went into the room. He was having a uh, three-way video chat about the day's math assignment. This kid was a seventh grader. Wow. How do you, okay, how do you, because that gave me goosebumps, I'm not lying, it really did. How do you show that to your community? Because I'm going to have a school board member that just wants to know, and he's going to say, how do you know those computers are making a difference? How do you share that kind of thing with your community to say, here's how we know? It's, it's a matter of, whenever you get the opportunity, you say, you know, and, and, you, and that's what aggravates, because 
assessment. You can't quantify that experience. So you've got to have your kids create a video about that and show that. And you've got to have a sandbox for your district where you showcase video. Even in Maine, I think they've done a poor job collecting those kinds of anecdotes. Texas has done a poor job of it, too. So have the kids create a video to tell that story and then have them show it at the Rotary Club or at the Lions Club, or at the school board meeting. So if I can summarize both those comments, if you walk away with this session from nothing else, with nothing else, it's you cannot quantify the type of learning that we're seeing our kids create. Whether you're a one-to-one district or not, when you unleash and empower a kid to learn, you cannot quantify it in a percentile proficient. But you've got to go out and be a PR manager almost, for your district, your students, the types of things you're collaborating, or kids are creating. And I think it's a great opportunity. We don't do enough for involving our community, but we've held, this is our fifth annual TNT night, Tips and Tools for Parents. We give bonus points for them to show up, which brings them in droves, and then you have the chance to tell those stories. We had a kindergartner, a fifth grader, or fourth grader, and a senior present things they do with tech. And, I mean, parents' jaws hit the floor like, Really? They can do that? And so by having technology and being able to you know, get those kids fired up, there's your stage. And you bring them in and embrace it. I am new to the Twitter world in the last five months or so. And um, over maternity leave, I'm watching our students present to our state board of ed downtown. And I tweet about... Uh, what our fifth grader said, she's like, it was so cool, because I was asleep. I'm like, while I was asleep, people from other countries read my blog. It kind of freaked me out. <laughs> and so I tweeted, I thought that was so awesome. It, I couldn't believe how quickly, just my little tiny following, because I was so new to Twitter, I could not believe how that took off. Because that's such an example, powerful example, of what our kids are doing. Um, kind of, yeah, it, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing what they can do. Lastly, and you kind of hit on this, when we talk about balanced assessment and our whole big pot of assessments, how do we know teaching and learning is changing? Here are the product and performance assessments that we're looking at in our district. First, let me talk about our administrative walkthroughs. Um, you might have noticed the eye touch. Our district has these for administrators to do our walkthroughs. Um, our ABA trained us on eWalk. I see some of you nodding your heads. Um, and they have some templates out there to use. And the four of us administrators, we go together into every classroom. And at first it was kind of intimidating for our teachers because they're not used to um, the frequency, let alone the numbers, of people that were coming into their room. And some of our teachers were like, you are not kidding me? Oh, my gosh. And the kids would be like, oh, who are you? The first time. And now they're just like, you know, whatever, there's more adults. Um, but when we did our walkthrough, the first template we had, and I will not forget this because it was so, well, we only used this template once. It said that there are posters on the wall to support the curriculum. And we were like, I don't think this is a template for us. That's uh, not really what we're about. So um, we quickly moved away from that and ended up creating our own. Um, that are aligned with the characteristics of effective instruction. I'll share that with you here in just a moment. Um, it's nothing earth-shattering other than we just go together about once a week. I mean, there are times where we, the four of us can't go in the week and then we'll go separately. We bring teachers with us now that we have a good handle on 
what we're talking about. The first semester, most of the first semester, we just did it as administrators because we needed to get on the same page. And then we started bringing teachers along with us once we, we felt more comfortable. Um, questions like, what does it really look like when a kid's engaged? Um, how do you know that's differentiation? Just because there's a collaborative teacher in the room, did we see any differentiation in instruction? And, you know, we really had great conversations out in the hall. And our teachers were kind of nervous about it at first. They're like, how did I do? I'm like, we're really not evaluating you. Oh, well, you were in my room. How did I do? We talked about engagement outside. You know, you helped us in your questioning. You helped us talk about what is good questioning? What can we do for our teachers? And that was, and I would still tell you, our staff's a little nervous about that still. I mean, they still want to know, what was my grade? What was my grade? It's not really about that. You know, we're talking about what's engagement look like. And now that we're bringing teachers along with us, I think it's been really helpful. We only have three more elementary teachers to go as far as having been on the, the walkthroughs with us, just as an example. But we've been able to say, okay, what did you think? Wow, I thought that was teacher as a facilitator. Gosh, I kind of thought that was a lecture. What's our difference? And let's talk about it. So again, I'll let you see that template here in just a second. The Instructional Practice Inventory by Jerry Valentine uh, and his work. We have our AEA consultants come in. Uh, they'll do it twice this year. They'll do it three times uh, from here forward to collect on um, student engagement. And that has nothing to do with the one-to-one. -one. In fact, our AEA person asked me, well, you just want us to do the secondary, right? No, we want you to do everybody. This is K-12. Oh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, so it was even a little mind, mindset shift for them. Um, student examples and the student and teacher digital portfolios. And I'm going to show you some examples of the things that we're working on there. Um, our teacher digital portfolios, we haven't started yet. Our teachers are thinking, oh, think, I didn't know about it if we had. Yeah, no, we haven't started that yet. That's in our, our plan. Um, our student examples, let me just say here, our kids are presenting and sharing more than ever before. Um, how we capture that as an example of a district assessment, I'm still struggling with. So I can't wait to hear your conversations um, here in just a minute. Because that, how do I collect that to show? I know they're out there. Um, but how do we get those examples to really show the spectrum of what our kids are doing? Um, oh, and with the walkthroughs, let me just add, too. The thing with the one-to-one -one does change. And if you're an administrator in the room, well, even if you're a teacher, you'll, you'll really want to think about this. Because um, I walked into a classroom, teacher's sitting behind her desk, kids all have their computers doing different things. You hear some chattering, you know, it's kind of loud. You're starting to walk in, you're like, yep, unengaged, off task, teacher's behind her desk. You know, that's what you're thinking. You're finding it on your little template. And in the five, ten seconds it took to get to where the teacher's desk was, you're like, oh my gosh, she's managing her wiki. It's totally differentiated. They're all working on different projects, and the learning goal is on her wiki. Um, the big essential question that they're all getting at, and you're just like, delete, 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 delete. Um, that was pretty early in the process for us as administrators, and I'm glad we didn't have teachers with us when we started. I don't know how walkthroughs are happening in your districts, if they're happening. But I really found that bringing teachers on has been really valuable, just as valuable to have our alone time versus administrators to talk, figure things out, um, 
and, and, and go through that. So let me show you some of these things. Instructional practice inventory. Um, the research out of, I want to say Missouri. Yeah, oh, University of Missouri, College of Education. So um, their information is there. And I'll post this on the, the um, conference's website too, so you can have it. But what it looks like, I think I have the document over there. What it looks like, and this is a little, um, I think, scary for our staff too, uh, because it seems like with the numbers that it's um, hierarchical, but it's about student-engaged instruction, teacher-directed instruction, or disengagement. It has nothing to do with whether there's a computer in front of them. You can be disengaged with a computer just as easily as you can without one. It's probably more noticeable because the games are a lot more interactive than just staring out the window. But you can totally be disengaged with a computer just as easily. So classroom management takes on a different, different spiel maybe with the, the computers. But what we're looking for doesn't. And we also had to talk with our staff that, sure, student active engaged learning is the ideal. It's not 100% of the time. You can't have that. You have to do some laying the foundation, groundwork, to get to that. So we have to discuss, what's an acceptable percentage? What does that look like for us? Um, if our first set of data said 100%, you guys, are we missing something? I mean, we have to ask. We have, that's a, a conversation starter. So this is one piece of data that we're collecting. It's an outside source, totally free. I mean, your ADA does this. Um, totally free, helps us correlate with our walkthrough data uh, as far as engagement. And remember, our district goal is teacher, kids engaged with higher order thinking and tasks. So this goes right with what we want to do. Um, the other thing I wanted to show you. So our walkthrough template. We put it on Google Docs and let our staff, ooh, excuse me, let our staff see it, play around with it, get a feel for it. It has evolved. When we first started it, it had numbers to it. It uh, was like a rubric. And then we found it difficult, and I'll scroll through each one so we can see it even better. Then we found it difficult to have any one, to be a small enough size of a description, to have it really capture and be the perfect description for what we were seeing. Um, so then we ended up, we put numbers there with no descriptors, and then teachers were like, well, what do the numbers mean? Yeah, that's a great question. We have no idea. We took that off, and then we had students involved in discussion. And they were like, well, is that right? I mean, it's just really evolved. But here's, in a nutshell, how we, how we use this. We will check as many things as we see. It would be possible to say we see a significant number, not just one. We'll say a significant number, three, four, attentive, inattentive and off task, we'll mark it. If kids are doing seat work, we'll mark it. Sometimes it's hard to tell if it's higher order thinking in this section. And so we just say, well, if, it's all, if all we can tell is seat work, that's what we'll mark. And then we can go down lower and, and figure out the types of things that go with that in our data. Student-centered classrooms. <coughs> are the students the facilitator? Is the teacher the facilitator? Is the teacher lecturing? Um, are kids just working independently? And again, that's not a bad thing. 
It's just merely stating what it is we see. Um, is student collaboration going on? So those things kind of help. If we see student collaboration going on, we might, but it's you know seat work maybe. They're in their seats. We that might give us some idea of the types of things. Well, seat work was broken down into 100% um, drill and practice. Okay, that tells us something differently than seat work. 50% of the time it was collaboration. Ooh. So those are some ways we could use that. Teaching for learner differences, that's straight from Tomlinson's work. Don't think that I created something fabulous on my own. Totally stole that. A lot of this wording I stole straight from that PDF that the Iowa Core curriculum has about the five characteristics. Um, assessment for learning. Uh, again, so, ooh, excuse me. The assessment for learning, a lot of that, we took that wording from the PDF that came in the Iowa Core, plus things that we think of ourselves. And then we have band meter DNA. These are things that are just part of who we are, like the integration of technology to enhance learning. If you're using your computer for a PowerPoint, no go. Um, but if you're using it to do something to enhance the learning of the kids, then that's something else. And we put that there because we recognize the one-to-one. -one. You cannot train a teacher to be the perfect one-to-one -one teacher and then release laptops to all your kids. It's just not going to happen that way. You release the laptops and you train as you go. And kids will often force you to learn things above and beyond anything the district could have done. So that's why that's there, because that's part of what we believe. It should enhance learning. Um, 21st century skills from the Iowa Corps. More of our work next year um, is really to talk about how the 21st century skills, everybody's job. The Iowa Corps is everybody's job. Um, I've had my teaching experience in Arizona where the state standards were you, U.S. history teacher, here's your book. You, English teacher, in freshman English, here you go. It's really that specific. Um, this is not. This is why I, I kid about it, but you really are the poster children for the Iowa Core curriculum. I don't think that's a bad thing. Because it's multiple skills, cross-curricular, big ideas, concepts, not drill and kill. I'm, I, I'm, I'm happy to say that. I think that's a good thing. Um, and Chris strategies. We've had a lot of training in our district in the past about Chris strategies. We very much believe in them, creating independence, student independence with learning. So that's why those things are there. All right, I want to get back to your discussion because I need to, I keep going to the wrong corner. Because um, I want you to uh, give us information about um, things that you're doing. How do you assess creativity? What big ideas are driving your assessment? What products are learners creating? And if this is just an idea, okay, we don't do it, but this is what I'm thinking, that's totally okay. You don't even have to tell me that it's not happening. You can just say it is. <laughs> you just say it is. But what are your ideas about this? Um, and know that I'm totally going to be listening and looking for names and wanting to collaborate with you. So think about that when I walk by. You're like, share, trust. I am totally digging Angela's keynote. It's like, yes! Um, so talk to people next to you about, about these things.
that have those posters around everywhere. Yeah, we do too. We're actually going to try to assess them this year or this coming year. Thank you for chuckling so I don't feel alone. They're beautiful posters, and we've changed it into a nice graphic, which is even better. Um, but what we've done is we've taken our learning goals, looked at the Iowa core, talked about how they matched up, and then um, kids will put in their portfolio examples. We're imagining Google Sites to get us started. Um, I don't really care the tool that they house it in. I also imagine this being, and we're going to start with our secondary, but I imagine this being in every grade span to align with the Iowa core. So this one's the 9-12 cluster. We'll have a 6-8, a 3-5, and a K-2 cluster. It'll look a little different, K-2. I mean, don't think we're going to expect them all to have their Google sites. Um, but the same kind of idea. Let me just scroll through. Oh, I apologize. So we've got them all lined up. There's our effective communicator how it lines up with literacy, self-directed learner, proficient learner. That's pretty much everything that's on the Iowa core. It's kind of how we left it. Efficient collaborator, complex thinker, technology literate user. I've got to tell you, I still think we need to revisit our learning goals. There's just too many things out there to revisit. But that's our portfolio idea. Talk to me about what were some of the things that you mentioned with the people next to you about how you're assessing creativity, things that you're doing in your districts or your classroom to get at that. How do we know kids are really thinking differently? Well, it's a little easier for me since I do teach art, so the creativity part is already there. 
Uh, but what's been more powerful for me lately is I had my all my students, ninth to twelfth grade, create an iMovie, and I told them all, you know, since you're in art, you've chosen in high school to be an artist, an elective. And so then I've had them create an iMovie, just a sixty-second iMovie about what their passion is, or the new phrase is like, "What a geek." And it's been really kind of cool to see all these kids come out of the, you know, out of their shell of what their passion is and talking on their um, on their computer saying, my passion is ceramics, but I keep glazing more, you know, and have them create things. Some are doing like wheel throwing demonstrations and videotaping it, and some are showing other things that they're doing on their laptop or. Who would have um, ever thought that being a geek was like a cool way to say it? Yeah, you know. But then I'm also going to kind of put all those clips together and make a giant video of all these like snippets of what they're passionate about. Anyone else? What are some other ways you're assessing creativity or higher order thinkings in your district? Well, I mean, just to go back to what you were saying before, we've done 100 walkthroughs, and um, and we see a lot of compliance, but we had two out of 100 that were clearly like the highest level of Bloom's taxonomy. And um, it's funny, when you do the teacher walkthroughs, we walk with the, I walk the art department head, and um, I give away um, engagement in almost every art room I go into, but his definition of engagement for art is different than mine. So, I mean, I just think it's so powerful to have our teachers walking with English and social studies and because uh, I think what or a math teacher again that's a tough one that's a real tough one and because uh, what you see in one class you're instantly giving it away but their definition of it and explaining why is uh, those conversations are very powerful to yeah. move the whole all the teachers forward that goes back to that reflection piece being an important part of your assessment balance assessment system what were some other things you talked about Look, I should really cut you slack. I've kept you five minutes late anyway. Thank you so much for sharing your ideas with me. Because I totally benefited from it. Thank you. Thank you. I will share. I will share. So check out, um, I'll post this stuff to the one-to-one -one site. I'll also give our band meter website ways to find how I synthesize this conversation. Anyone interested in sharing assessment ideas, I want to help and benefit selfishly. Have a great afternoon. Thank you so much for your time.